What a beautiful song. Um, thank y'all, praise team, for leading us in that. Um, I pray that we know um, that everyone hearing these words right now knows what it is like to fall into the arms of peace. That's a good line. Um, to know the heart that beats for me. Um, we live in a world that is void of peace. Between people groups, between nations, between tribes, between spouses, between parents and kids, between parents and parents, between neighbors, between political parties, between religious groups. We're missing the peace factor in many ways. As we were singing that last song, um, I kept coming back to this story that's not in the sermon. We're going to be in Matthew 5 in just a little bit if you want to turn there. But this story after the resurrection of Christ. So hopefully if you, if you haven't heard that story before, Jesus was crucified on a cross they take him down from the cross. They bury him in a grave. Most of his friends have scattered because they're scared that they're going to be crucified as well. And the friends are hiding in an upper room because they don't know what's about to happen. And one of Jesus' close friends, her name was Mary Magdalene, goes to the tomb by herself, which says a lot. And she gets to the tomb, and the stone's been rolled away. She's one of the first people to encounter the resurrection of Christ. Like one of the biggest moments, the, I would, the biggest moment in the history of the world, in humanity. And she missed it at first. Because she, I believe, she was so overwhelmed with pain and hurt and grief and probably anxiety and depression and worry and guilt and shame in questions, not a lot of peace happening in that moment. Scripture says that she runs, that she gets to the tomb and she sees two angels, which if I see two angels today, I would go, snap, that's an angel. You know, there'd be a little recording that. Y'all, according to Scripture, unless they left some stuff out, like she doesn't even acknowledge the fact that there's angels dressed in white there. She just says to the angels who are in white, and I don't have wings, we don't have all those details, but she says to them, they say to her first, like, why are you crying, woman? <laughs> And a response is, if you've taken him, please tell me where he is. I'm just so tired. You know, you ever been in a moment like that? I'm just so tired of hurt and pain and brokenness and sickness and frustration. I'm tired of the political commercial. I'm tired of people. You know what I mean? Like, I'm just tired of the stuff. She didn't say that. That's my life now. She didn't have political commercials. They didn't have TV. It's just my life. I'm intertwining. But knowing that she didn't have the peace to even say Snap, you're an angel. And the angels say to her, why are you crying? And she says, where'd you put him? Like, if you know where he is, just tell me. Have you ever been in a moment in life like that? Maybe it wasn't in an empty tomb awaiting the resurrection of Christ, but it has been at the end of a long argument with your husband or your wife or your kids when they've gone off for the 15th time or a neighbor that's just freely frustrating you, not mine because I've got great neighbors, or the, like, the work or the job or the, something in life that's just making you go, what is happening? In this moment for Mary, she's experiencing the opposite of peace. And she turns around and scripture says she sees a man standing there. It's Jesus, but she doesn't realize it's Jesus because she's so, I believe, filled with tears in her eyes and overcome with struggle. She says to this random guy, she thinks, if you've taken him, hear this, her hurt and her pain and her struggle and her depression and her worry and her brokenness prevented her 
from seeing Jesus in his resurrected body who was standing inches away from her. She was lost in it. And then Jesus says something that wrecked her world for the rest of eternity. Do you all remember what he says after? He says, Mary. Clicks. He spoke her name. And then she says, oh, Rabbi, my teacher, it's you. We serve a God who is love. And our God who is love has a name. And his name is Jesus Christ. He defeated death. He went to the grave and he walked out of the grave. And I believe, church, I believe this with all my being. I pray that you believe it too. If you don't, we can debate later. But no, I believe with everything in me that he knows every name of every person hearing these words right now. And he is doing everything in his power through the Holy Spirit of himself to speak your name. He is speaking it. And he's just waiting on us to acknowledge his voice. Matthew 5, 9 says, Blessed are the peacemakers, for they shall be called the sons of God. That's the English Standard Version. In the New International and New Living Translation, it says the children of God. I'm not, girls, you don't get like a pass on this. Like, I mean, it's like it's all of us, okay? Like it's sons and daughters. We're all in this. Blessed are the peacemakers, for they should be called the sons of, of God. We've been in a series called the Beatitudes when Jesus is preaching this phenomenal sermon, these kingdom principles he's been given. We just have one more next week. It's about the persecuted but today we're just going to dwell just on this one. When Jesus says, blessed are the peacemakers, for they shall be called the sons of God. Those who are actively making peace in a world that does not <clears throat> know peace. I've got one question, two thoughts that, I, that I've been pondering on this week. And I, I, I hope that they, they speak to you as well. First, why do we need peacemakers? <clears throat> that should be a simple question to answer. Why do we need peacemakers? The world is quite broken, and it's quite not at peace. And Jesus says, blessed are those who are making peace in the world. Why do we need peacemakers? Because we have people all around us all the time that are not at peace. I would venture to say that some of us in this room right now are not at peace, either with someone else, with the Lord our Creator, or with ourselves. God wants us to be at peace with Him, with one another, and with our own mind, heart, and soul. Because He wants us to be full, fulfilled through him, which means we have to actively pursue that. So blessed are the peacemakers. Why do we need them? Because we live in a world that doesn't really know a lot about peace. So that God created us to be at peace with him, with one another, and within ourselves. In that order. I always like to point that out when we talk about these types of topics. In that order. If you are currently not at peace with yourself and you're doing everything the self-help gurus are telling you to do to be at peace with yourself, I can almost guarantee that you will not be at peace with yourself until you come into peace with your creator. If you are trying actively to pursue, to make peace with someone else, and they're just wearing you out, you know, point to them on three if they're in this room. One, two, don't. That would be awful. Like, put your hand down, Mark. Stop. But knowing that... He didn't really pick his hand up. That if we are trying to actively make peace with someone else and we get these things out of order, before we make peace with the Lord, which we can't do, he makes peace with us, we're going to struggle through that. So it starts with us coming into peace with our creator. How do we do that? We trust in him. We believe in him. We acknowledge him. We confess him. We follow him. We pray to him. We spend time with him. We meditate on his word. We read about him. We surround ourselves with other people who are trying to do the same thing. To be at peace with God is the first point of order. 
if you're trying to be a peacemaker in the world, then we can have peace with one another, which is hard. Why? Kids are in here today. We can't say D-U-M-B. People are crazy, right? Can we be honest for a second? I'm not going to call names, and I'm not going to reference any of the political ads I've seen. Some of them are ridiculous to say the least. We live in a world that doesn't really want to make a lot of peace, and sometimes really silly people say really silly things. Can we say that? Is that the nicest way to say that? In the last week, have you heard somebody say something that was just so silly? We're saying silly because the kids, you just go, wow, I do not want to be at peace with you. You know what I mean? Like, it's hard. And yet Jesus says that we are to have peace with him and with one another. We're going to unpack that in just a second. Be peacemakers with that. But then also, y'all, within ourselves, which I would say, in my own opinion, has surpassed the need when it comes to reconciliation in our culture. It's just me for a second here. I feel like people have gotten pretty good at least faking it in front of other people. Like, I can put up with you for a little while. I'll just watch something else. Like, that's fine. But how many people right now are hearing these words right now, whether it's in here or online, when you lay your head down on the pillow tonight are not at peace with your own mind, with your own heart, with your own soul. There's stuff just going and going and going and going and going and going. It never stops. And all the while the Lord says what? I want to speak your name over yourself. I want to remind you of who you are in Christ. Why do we need peacemakers? Because we live in a world that's not very peaceful. Two, being a peacemaker requires action. So if we know we need peacemakers in the world, and that's all of us, if you're following Christ, Christ calls us to be peacemakers. He says, blessed are the peacemakers. A few verses in Romans 12, 18. <clears throat> if possible, if possible, which makes me think sometimes it's not about if possible. So far as it depends on you, which means sometimes we just need to stay out of it. So far as it depends on you, live peaceably with all. The word all means all. Not just those that we like, not just those that we want to hang out with, not just those that we agree with. It says live peaceably with all if it's possible, and it depends on you. Hebrews 12, 14. Strive for peace. It's another verb that you got to strive for peace with everyone. And for the holiness without which no one will see the Lord. So you got to strive for peace. You've got to live peaceably. And then Psalm 34, 14 that we open our service with says, Turn away from evil, do good, seek peace, and pursue it. All these are active verbs. We've got to do something with it. The Greek word for peacemaker is someone who actively proclaims God's word to reconcile the listener with the Lord. We must receive it before we share it. God wants his children to be the type of people who resolve conflict, not create conflict. I'll say that one more time. God wants his children to be the type of people who resolve conflict, not create conflict. Okay, church? That's us. We're supposed to be, hear this, we're supposed to be avoiding conflict, resolving conflict. That's, that's point, like sub point A. But then, on top of that, or underneath that, there is a difference between peacemaking and peace. Loving, right? Like everything's just going to be happy, go lucky, everybody's going to get along all the time. There's a difference there, and Jesus distinguishes between those. Some, even in the church, even in our culture today, may allow a threatening and dangerous situation to develop. And their defense 
is that for peace's sake, because we're saying things like God wants us to be peacemakers, so some may be struggling this morning saying, well, God wants me to be at peace with everyone, even though this terrible situation is happening over here, I don't need to get involved with it or address it or man up or woman up to it because God wants me to be at peace. That's not what Jesus is saying. Peace requires action. If this is done, if you're currently actively avoiding a situation or avoiding a conversation that you know needs reconciliation, the situation may very likely worsen and become more of a problem. Jesus is not saying, blessed is the person who evades issues. Rather, it comes from facing them, dealing with them, and conquering them. Jesus was not afraid of conflict. He just didn't start a lot of conflict with people that weren't ready to receive the conflict that he was bringing. Jesus was willing to look at somebody and say, you are lost in your sin. I mean, he did that multiple times. Sin no more. To some church folks, he would go to them and say, you look good on the outside, but the inside, you smell like a dead tomb. I mean, that's harsh words, right? That's not like the type of stuff you walk into and go, I feel better about myself. This is looking up. Jesus was willing to hit things head on, but he did it because he was Christ. I've got to be careful to make sure I'm not just going in swinging sometimes, knowing that he calls us to address the issues of life that are difficult and sinful, to actively face things in our world, how we make peace. If we do it like Jesus, we make peace by identifying truth, addressing the sin, and constructing a bridge between those who are at odds with one another. We identify the truth, we address the sin, and we construct a bridge between those who are at odds with one another. That is not easy. Our world is full of sin. Much of it is celebrated. If you hold true to God's holy word and say basic things that have been said for hundreds, now thousands of years, like, hey, this is right and this is wrong, prepare to not receive a peaceable reaction from the masses. That doesn't mean we should stop saying it. To be a peacemaker as a Christian is to be the type of person who's trying to help people get at peace with the Lord, with one another, and with themselves, which means we have to address the sin. We've got to address the struggle. We've got to address the problem. Be willing to have those conversations. Knowing that it requires action. When I was a senior in high school, we had these forms that came out. Junior, maybe junior high school. Juniors don't do this. Um... And it said, what do you want to be when you grow up? That sounded like a fun question, right? I was real serious all the time. So I wrote down, I want to be a Catholic monk. And I met a true story. A true, and I turned it into a homeroom teacher. I'm not Catholic. Sure, as the world knows, not a monk. You know, like that's just not my thing. I did in everything for true story. For the next 18 months, I got paperwork from schools of the Catholic background from all over the country. They're like, we got another one. I was like, no, I'm a Baptist. Like, what is this? It meant a lot. I shouldn't have done that. Silly goofy teenage mistake. As I got older and I read a little bit more about bunks, I got up respect. I know that I couldn't be in for a lot of reasons. We could have theological conversations about why. One of those reasons is, and I'm not dissing the monks, all right? So if you are a monk or you know a monk, I'm not, making, I'm not poking fun, just an observation from this side of the railroad tracks. I believe God calls us to actively participate in every area of life with our neighbors, with our friends, and with our families, not to go away and subdue and retract and start a thing with a wall and act like everything's okay on the inside, but it's not okay on the outside. I'm not saying monks do that because I don't know many monks. 
But I do know some Christians that do that. Again, am I saying I'm concerned that I get frustrated with commercial breaks when my kids are watching TV in a football game? Yes, because I'm tired of sin being celebrated over and over and over again with my kids, and I can't even keep them from seeing the garbage all the time. Sometimes I think it'd be lovely to get a few of us together. This isn't going to happen. We have no Kool-Aid. In the, like, but to get a few of us together, like buy a few thousand acres out in Montana. You ever think that? Sounds lovely. We'll start our own school, start our own, let's do it all. It doesn't usually end well for people that do that. We're not doing that here, but the draw is kind of there, right? Why? Because the world is messy sometimes. And yet, what does Jesus say we are to do? Be active participants in the world. Be ye of the world, but not in the world, but not of the world. Meaning we got to be in it. Why? Because they need peacemakers. How will people know the good news if the feet of us don't take the good news to them? So we've got to wrestle with that. The best way to do it, be at peace with the Lord. Try to be at peace with one another. Be at peace with ourselves. Being a peacemaker requires action. And oftentimes that is not fun. And I found that when I try to make peace all by myself, I usually just wear myself out. That's right. Knowing that, Third, true peace comes in a person. True peace comes in a person who took all the action on himself. True peace comes in a person. In Isaiah 9, 6, this was written a long time before Jesus was born. Oh, watch out. There it is. For unto us, for to us, a child is born. To us, a son is given. And the government shall be upon his shoulder. And his name, it's only the name of Christ, his name shall be called Wonderful Counselor, Mighty God, Everlasting Father, Prince of Peace. Peace has a name. And the name of peace is Jesus Christ. We are going to have a difficult time being peacemakers in this world if we don't take the name of Christ with us. I'm not going to get political. Some of y'all get excited if I did that. It could be a party. But I, I study a lot of politics. I've been in lots of countries, and I've seen things like the United Nations. If you're a part of that, I'm not dissing it again. I'm just saying I have observed organizations that have tried to go in and make peace without the name of Christ, and it usually doesn't work. That's just my own observation, I know I'm simple. I believe as Christians we are called to make peace, which means we are called to lead with the name of Christ every time. He is the Prince of Peace, and he calls us to be like him and to share his good news with others. The word peace in Hebrew is shalom. To the Hebrew mind, it didn't mean the absence of war or conflict, which I think sometimes, Lord, just let me be at peace. Let all the troubles go away. Let all the conflict go away. Y'all, it's not going to go away until Christ returns, all right? That's hard. We've got to swallow that pill like it's there. And yet God says that we are to be peacemakers, that peace is a fruit of the Spirit. It was originally said, peace, which is beautiful to me, did not mean the absence of conflict or stress or frustration. The word peace in the Bible often refers to the enjoyment of all good, complete, 
fulfillment and flourishing. To know that God wants us to be able to lay our head on our pillows at night after we've made peace with him, with others, and with ourselves, and know this world is a mess. Amen? But somehow, I can still experience the presence and the fulfillment and the enjoyment of the Lord in the midst of all this. In John 14, 27, Jesus says to his friends, right before he goes to the cross, Peace I leave with you. My peace I give to you. Whose peace is it? It's his. Not as the world gives do I give to you. Let not your hearts be troubled, neither let them be afraid. John 16, 33. I have said these things to you, that in me you may have peace. Romans 5, 1. Therefore, since we have been justified. Oh, man, I'm going fast. (laughs) Therefore, since we've been justified by faith, we have peace with God through our Lord Jesus Christ. Peace comes through the Lord Jesus Christ. And then in Ephesians 2.14, For he himself is our peace. Jesus is our peace, who has made us both one and has broken down in his flesh the dividing wall of hostility. Jesus is our peace. God calls us to be peacemakers in a world that is not peaceful. Are we up for that challenge? Three simple questions before we pray out today. For the Christians and the non-Christians, same questions. One, are you at peace with God? That's a heavy question. That's a, just dwell on it for a little bit. Are you at peace with the Lord? When you close your eyes, when you say your prayers, when you read your Bible, when you listen to music, when it's a random Tuesday, are you at peace with the creator of the universe? Which is a pretty big concept if we wrestle with that. To know that he wants to, desires for, strives towards peace with us. Which is why Jesus came. Like Dustin shared during communion thought. I mean, Jesus makes, he is the advocate between us and the Father. Are you at peace with the Lord? Are you at peace with everyone else in your life? That's a fun question, you know? Again, I'm not saying we have to like everyone. We've got to love them. Here, there's a difference there, kids. Hang in. I'm not saying we go out and support and celebrate everything that's done in the world. I'm not saying that we need to go out and act like everything's okay, because it's not. Are we within our heart, mind, and soul? Are we able to say, Lord, I have entrusted to you every other person in my life? When we don't do that, Scripture says it can begin to eat away at us like a cancer in the bones. I would venture to say that there may be some hearing these words right now that are still struggling with something someone said, did, or thought about you 5, 10, 15, even 20 years ago. Not saying it's okay that they did that. But are we able today to be the type of people who make peace in that situation by giving that to the Lord? And third, are we at peace with ourselves? Are we at peace with ourselves? God wants us to know without a doubt our answer for each of those questions. Which is why I'm reminded again of the story of Mary Magdalene at the tomb. 
in that moment, if you would imagine you were her, I don't know if she was at peace with God. That's just me. Haven't studied this week. Haven't dug into it a whole lot. But you figure if you were her, in that moment, you have just spent the last few years of your life following on a man who said he was the son of God, the savior of the world, the Messiah, and now he's dead in a cross, and your first reaction is somebody stole the body, right? I don't think she got it in that moment. I definitely don't think she was at peace with other people. Roman soldiers nearby, probably not a big fan. The other disciples, some of whom were too afraid to get out of the room and walk to the grave with her because she was a woman walking by herself who was also a follower of Jesus. Let alone the governments and institutions that had just crucified the man. Not a lot of peace with everybody else, was it? I don't think so. And within her own self, I don't know what she was thinking in that moment. We know that she was cured of demons a few years before, like this man had radically changed her life and now he's dead. To me, in that moment, I'm thinking she was not at peace with herself because she was very likely thinking, who am I without him? Who am I now, now that the man, the God that spoke this over me was just killed? Until something happens. She turns around and sees a man. She says, you steal his body. And then that man, that love, that peace spoke back to her. And said her name. And in my mind, in that moment, fulfillment and peace washed over her in a way that some of us know what that feels like. Was the government still corrupt? 100% yes. Were the disciples still going to argue about silly things for the rest of their lives? 100% yes. Was she still going to struggle with who she was in Christ compared to who she was before Christ? 100% yes. The conflicts weren't just going to magically disappear, but who she was was grounded in who he was and what he had done. And that brought peace into that situation. If you need peace between you and your creator, it is found in Christ alone. If you need peace with someone else, I promise you, it is found in Christ alone. If you need peace within your own mind, your own heart, or your own soul, it is found in Christ alone. And I believe in this moment, he is saying your name. Inviting all of us into his presence once again. Let's pray. Lord, I thank you for being the God that chooses to say the name of your children. I thank you for allowing us, Lord, to somehow in a world that is so broken and so sinful and so far from you, to experience peace that can only come in Christ. You call us to be peacemakers, Lord. You say we'll be blessed if we do it. We'll be called the sons of God, the children of God, Lord. Help us today, God. Christ alone is the great peacemaker. You took the first step. I want all of us to experience that, Lord. If there's anyone hearing these words right now that is not at peace in their spiritual life, they are not at peace by knowing you and knowing who they are in you, never accepted that Jesus really did come. He really did die on a cross. For all of our sins, he really was buried in a grave and he really did defeat death itself. Lord, I pray that the advocate, the Holy Spirit, anybody that's struggling with that right now, Lord, speak to them. Say their name. Remind them of your calling. Scripture says if we confess with our mouths that Jesus Christ is Lord and believe in our hearts that God has raised him from the dead, we will be saved now and forever. 
Lord, anybody that's struggling in a situation or a relationship with a spouse or a child or a parent or a neighbor or a coworker or this world, Lord, may we be willing to bring all of those relationships and lay them down at your feet. We know, Lord, that they might not just, they could, might not just miraculously all go back to hunky-dory tomorrow, but Lord, something happens when we entrust you with those things. Lord, if there's anyone hearing these words that is not at peace with themselves, God, please, Lord, may they know that they are loved and they were created by you and that Jesus really did come for them on the cross and in the grave and that they have a community of faith around them that wants to walk with them, Lord. I don't want anyone to feel like an island in this place. I don't want anyone to feel as if it's them against the world all along. Lord, may we be at peace within ourselves because of what Jesus has done. Thank you, Lord, for allowing us the chance to share your peace with the world that needs it. But even more than that, we thank you for allowing us to know that peace as well. We pray these things in Jesus' holy name. Amen. Church family, we invite you, if you're able, to stand with us as we sing our closing song, King of Kings. Um, if you need to come up and pray with somebody, Miss Sandra's over here. I'll be up front as well. We would love to have a chance just to talk with you. If you need to come and lay something down on the altar, have somebody pray over you for your relationship with the Lord, somebody else, or even yourself, let us, let us worship the Lord and bring it to you.